and welcome back to the Game of Time podcast. Um, we've actually managed to make it two weeks in a row this time, which is in- impressive. Um, this week I'm joined by Gav. Say hello. Hello. And I'm jo- we're joined by George. Hello. Brilliant. We're going to try and do a three-person one this week, just because I feel like it makes my editing life a bit easier, and hopefully we won't forget about anyone. Um, so... I mean, I'm going to start off this week because I've been playing Orwell and I've uh, I've kind of fallen in love with it. I think it's probably potentially one of the best games I've played this year, and I feel like everyone should know about it. So, that's unfair. What what is this this magical game? <laughs> right. Okay. So, Orwell is a, a game where you play as a person sat behind a computer, basically spying on people on the internet. Um, all too real. It, it does, it does. And if it has lots of uh, parallels it draws with sort of our current surveillance state. And it just makes you think a lot. I recently did a review of it on our website and I swear to God, I, it, it made me just sort of at every moment go, should I be doing this? Is this all right? Like, there's a bit where, where, you can, where you, you can listen to conversations with people, but some of them are just like, you're coming home for dinner, basically. And you're like, I feel a bit, this is a bit wrong. A bit voyeuristic. Yeah, but just like, I don't need to know this, but I'm listening in just in case I hear like a key word that comes up and I'm like, they could mean this. They're the terrorist. And um, just, just, so you're basically just playing a, and sort of someone at a, a listening bank at GCHQ. Pretty much, yeah. It's a bit scary at times. Like, like your ramifications of like misunderstanding something that someone's written or like that they've written when they're a bit pissed off uh, and they didn't really mean it and you're like shit like it makes you think about what you're putting out on the internet and like how it could be misconstrued it's just really interesting like if you're an, a student of Egyptian history and you spend a lot of time talking about ISIS on the internet yes exactly <laughs> exactly like that yes so yeah, I've been playing that a lot. It's um, it's got three episodes out, and the fourth one came out on the well today, which is the tenth. Um, but I haven't played it yet. And it's out on Steam, and I'm assuming other PC platforms like GOG and stuff. But I, I wouldn't quote me on that one. Um, but it's really cheap and really good, so you guys should definitely go and check it out. Uh, if only because it. It's uh, it's it just makes you sort of. It, there's very few games that make you kind of consider how society works and whether like is this all right sort of thing. You're like this stuff kind of goes on maybe to a less extreme extent, but like yeah, like you just just by like knowing yeah, someone's like white papers please. I don't know if it, I think it's yeah it's, it has that it gives me the same sort of feelings as Papers Please did of being like it's a bit fucked up but like you can sort of it, it has this, it has moments where it simultaneously makes you feel a bit like a hero for like saving the day but also kind of like a terrible person because of how you manage to do something good you just sort of like so I've stopped a terrorist event kind of fucked up a bunch of people's lives invaded privacy of a bunch of people and yeah was it worth it i don't know yet i haven't finished the full game because it's not all out but so it's like a 
like a kind of post Snowden spy thriller. Well, yeah, it's the, it's called Orwell, like like the George Orwell book. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration comes from. From hey, well, which book's that? Uh, homage to Catalonia. That's definitely no. the one. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I just wanted to be a dick. <laughs> I know, but I wasn't expecting it's you to I say do. it. it <laughs> it's kind of slayed me this evening. <laughs> um, I was going to say something else, but you've thrown me off. Someone else say something while I'm busy chuckle to myself. <laughs> yeah, it, sound, it sounds like a pretty interesting game. Um, so you're just reading transcripts and then looking for keywords? Pretty much, yeah. So you, you look into people's like chat logs and their emails but you also sort of browse the internet, so you go on what they call timeline, which is basically like Facebook. Um, so you you can see what people have like written on there, like their chats, like friends and stuff. And you'll so you'll be looking into one person, and then someone else that they know that you're also looking into could have said something on that blog that you'll be like, right, well I'll pull that up. That information's interesting, and you'll put it on like your page about them, that, like draws a web of how these relationships are connected. My one of my ma- my only real sort of I suppose it's only real flaws really would be like because it's a game and it's obviously limited, you can't pull off every piece of information. So like it highlights the things that are relevant that you can actually excuse me, use and it'll highlight some of them in yellow for any conflicting events. But like sometimes I'll read stuff and I'll like is that relevant? Could that be it? And it's just not highlighted, so I can actually use it as like part of my investigation, which is seems like yeah. a, a like a not really a complaint because you're like well, obviously it has it can't have like like it has quite a lot of text in it. It has like full like newspaper articles and like fake uh, company websites. So obviously, it can't have everything on there be able to be like used in, in an investigation. It's obviously going to have limits, but at the same time, I'm a bit like, oh, I think it, I might. This information is important, <laughs> which yeah, like the game doesn't justify as important, though. Like the like, I mean, I guess from what I've seen of the the screenshots and stuff, it's kind of going for a bit of an imp- like an immersive experience. Mm. Like it, it's supposed to look a lot like you're doing something like you would in real life, but I suppose the realities of being a game will brush up against that. Yeah, yeah, they do. It has a, a really nice sort of like um, kind of like soft soundtrack that gets occasionally like intense when things are going on. Uh, you don't you don't always really notice it in the background, and then you do, and you're like, "Fuck, shit's going down!" <laughs> like it, I, it's a very it's a very effective like because it's, often it's just sort of quiet, like the background of like a, just like a, like a lift sort of music sound, and then it'll just sort of like ramp up when like. You're like scurrying through the internet trying to find some records because stuff's going on, and it's sounds really weird to me. Like the idea of like a like a really thrilling thing going on. I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's what happens these days in in a kind of you know like a like cyber espionage environment. But mm. you know, the idea of some kind of really exciting spy thrower stuff happening through what we consider to be like really mundane environment, like like Facebook or Twitter or something kind of a weird idea to me yeah no it, it it's quite unusual i wasn't expecting it to be quite as like have moments of like tension like it does of why like because it has bits where you're like listening into a phone call and then they'll be silent for a minute and you'll be like 
waiting to hear what they're going to say quite like intently waiting to read like the next line of what the conversation is and it, it didn't i didn't really know think of it as going to be like this like quite intense experience but it, it it really is you kind of it really does a really good job of drawing you in from like the get-go because it has all like 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 a fake parliamentary uh website set up fake news headlines with like events that are happening you can get because there's so many like web pages you can go on i think at the point where i am i have to go explore like 65 web pages or something which is a massive number of like background information and each of them are really detailed so if you spend the time to like read and fully immerse yourself in it there's a lot there to like it's very well put together very well put together because everything like it's you, something because everything we're... you pull off gets sent to your handler and they they can misinterpret some of the things that you've said as well so you can pull off information that you think is said in like one way because you've pulled it out of context they'll get an entirely different um, thing from it they'll get an entirely different ending of like what's happening it, it explores some really interesting like like thought-provoking bits in it anyway sounds like something that we're getting like really interested in like finally after about you know everyone's been on the internet for years and years now but I mean I, I think the Orwell title just draws a, an interesting comparison just because you know I mean 1984 just had this idea of like uh like you're surrounded by like an oppressive environment and so that intrudes it kind of takes over your private life like you don't have a private life anymore yeah but i think a game like that and a lot of stuff like mr robot you know like like hacker based stuff that's really popular now like plays on this idea that we all have that our lives are private when we're just putting so much of ourselves like out there yeah yeah i think it's like over the past few years it's kind of like there's been more brought to people's attentions i suppose like sort of globally people have sort of through things like mr robot and and stuff like that people have sort of realized like shit i put quite a lot of my details on the internet because like in orwell you'll find like um someone's address or something and obviously then you can use that information to like either maybe to go to like find other web pages that have that person's address on and their name will hit a match or if you find like an alias of theirs it'll hit a match when you on your search engine so you'll be able to find other other web links for them so like and it's gradually this sort of you build like a, a profile on the on the person and it's it yeah it really makes you think like shit like when someone finds out some of these minor details about you they can really build like an entire like catalog of like who you are based on quite not that many sort of like online interactions but they can sort of see like your background your likes or dislikes even like if they find out like your email they can hack your email and maybe get into your bank account or something it's yeah it, it's very good very good anyway i've rambled on it a bit too much i think and uh basically go play it I just it's amazing one last one last question yeah can you abuse the power that you're given in the i mean like into kind of almost treat it in a sort of video gamey way but yes can you just report people because you don't like them kind well kind of to the second like, part just deliberate can you just deli- i mean like just deliberately report because i mean yeah are there consequences for reporting someone who is innocent basically yeah so i think each chapter has different outcomes to it um this is partly based off like the, the achievements on steam that i've seen and i'm assuming because i could have done 
there are points in the story where you can make differing choices. Especially because you'll find quite a lot of information that's conflicting. So in one part of it, they might be like, sound a bit like a crazy person who's really violent. But in one part, they might be behaving quite serene and relaxed. So depending on what information you pass on to your handler is what their perspective of that person is. And there's quite a lot of those in the second and third episodes of putting together uh, information that could be conflicting from what other things that you've seen that they've said. So depending on what you pass on, the there are different events that can play out. But you can kind and like I said, you can kind of game it a bit by being like a bit of a dick or something because you can. There's, there are bits that are obviously not relevant information, like someone's favorite color is red, or they've sort of rather jokingly said that they live in Wonderland or something, and you can pass this on to your handler for like oh, okay. no real reason. But um, there are also bits where you can obviously see that their the information is not relevant or like it's misinformation. That they've, they're, they're just blatantly lying from bits that you've read before. So if you wanted to, you could pass that on and see what the consequences are. Does it seem like the game is building towards like, um, like like does it, it? It seems like it's one of those. I'm like just stum- stumbling completely over all my words here. Like trying to figure out how to phrase this. But what what I mean to ask, fourth attempt is: Does it seem like? you're railroaded at all like do you think there's going to be like a variety of endings that you have to pick from or does it seem like it'll be quite dynamic in the way it like builds and concludes um it, it, in the moment it feels quite dynamic each episode flows nicely on from the previous one so things because you keep a your whatever information you've collected from episode to episode and you'll keep sort of pursuing certain characters through episode to episode building more and more information on them um so i i feel like it's going to have a a nice branched ending of where things could go different ways because the whole thing sort of starts with this this terrorist event and you're trying to investigate what's happened around it and then to try and stop subsequent ones so i I, I, i'm thinking because of how each episode has had a, a branching ending i i would be very surprised if there wasn't multiple endings and multiple ways of dealing with it. Because even at the moment, it's having the choice between passing information on and not passing it on is like a, such a crucial decision, especially because things are like are not happening in real time. Because obviously it's a game, but like it feels like things are happening in real time sometimes. So something could be going on, and if you delay in handing over information, the game's ov- obviously has to sort of assume you haven't and compensate for that so I'm, I think that it's going to be a running theme in the subsequent episodes but to wait and see uh, I'm very excited, uh, tomorrow's I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play episode 4 tomorrow being the past for the people who are listening to this podcast <laughs> obviously, we're very quick on the trigger here Yeah. so, so what we've taken from that is uh, the modern world is a dystopian hell in which the government knows everything about us we're all jokes here at the Gamer Time podcast. Yes, we like a good laugh. <laughs> we do, we do. Uh, yeah, but it's it's not all grim. I suppose. What are we if not a mirror? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, Gab, uh, you I mean, you I were playing was... a game that was less um, distressing and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose so. 
I've not had a lot to to do with it. I mean, I I don't know if it's really tried. It might. It probably is. Um, I I've recently been playing for a review on the site. Check out when it goes up, boys and girls. You'll love it. Uh, a game called uh, Sethian. I might be pronouncing it right. Might be wrong. I don't know. There's no voice in the game. Um, basically, uh, in the game, you are some kind of futuristic space linguist, and if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. You get put in like a cryo tube for two hundred years and shipped out to like a deserted planet. Yeah, I I mean none of this is like visualized. It's stuff you learn from your 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 journal because basically the way the structure of the game is, it's just you in con- like a computer terminal kind of look in conversation with uh like a computer who is the seemingly the last survivor of the planet and also the only living speaker of the language of Sethianese. And so using your journal involving references to other like fictitious journals on the language that exist, you have to like decode what it's saying and then find ways to speak back to it using the character set and the punctuation and things. Yeah. That it, it sounds terrifying, but it, it the game does it, it provides a lot of guidance and there's like a dictionary and it'll always tell you what something kind of means but you need to work out syntax and stuff it's sounds interesting it's it's really interesting like i've not got that far in it but it's really interesting so far from i try to think what it reminds me of ah it's it was a game duskers i mean I, i've been meaning to play duskers for ages have you any of you guys played duskers no i haven't so duskers is a game where you control a bunch of robots on a ship and then you communicate them through like a command prompt. So you'll say like, you'll, you, one of your droids might be indicated as droid one. So you'll say, navigate R, navigate one to R six, R six being room six, and they'll wait for it to go there. And it's trying to work. So it's kind of you're coding in like basic, basically, essentially. It sounds a bit like that. I don't know if that's correct, but it kind of reminds me of that sort of like stylized sort of trying to get to grips with it, like an entirely new language and manipulate it in certain ways yeah that that does sound a bit i mean i guess rather than a programming language or something this is like a, a literal language mm. but yeah i think from what i've seen from the the developer's website um he i think he has experience i think he knows chinese he, he went out there and lived or something and the language is like quite clearly influenced by that in the way it works it's quite like character based yeah and the characters you get like two characters that make a word and then it, it, it's really confusing but yeah it, it sounds quite similar to that game it's a kind of style of game that i've been seeing a lot recently and it's really good like i mean like this and orwell and stuff you know you have a lot of uh like non-standard structure mm. you know just something that might not have even struck someone maybe five ten years ago as a computer game like yeah. it, it's really weird but really cool at the same time it's a bit like a code breaking game isn't it i suppose like trying to crack yeah i mean it, it sounds really interesting in the way that a language is basically just a like a code yeah yeah it sounds really really cool i mean i i don't know how like grim the game is but basically you you just have the the computer to talk to and I, again it's a bit like orwell and i don't know how like far it goes with uh the possibilities it offers you because obviously at the start of the game you don't know any of the language and you just have to follow the journal but if 
if you like were going in there knowing it, I wonder how what you could say to it, how that would work. I don't know, like how how far it like guides you and how far its its responses are completely pre-programmed. But yeah, it's like it's it's really. So it wouldn't it wouldn't pass the Turing test then. Um, I I don't know, but for some reason I have a sneaking suspicion he might not have developed a complete AI as well as as learning or inventing a new language. <laughs> you never know; he might be just a really like humble developer just who's thought it was something to keep quiet about. Yeah, just this this unbelievable genius who invented a new language and made a computer that talks it. <laughs> that that would be impressive. Imagine working on that and then, what would you use it for? <laughs> <laughs> life's work <laughs> yeah he's just he's developed this he's developed this thing that's really really cool but uh, not not very useful so he just releases <laughs> yeah. it as a steam game actually i'd love yeah, that yeah. to be true uh, <laughs> well just 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 the uh the, the green light page uh you know dynamic story good graphics an ai capable of passing the cheering test <laughs> please vote for me yeah i would love it it's like yeah, you know, someone just votes it through and then it sells a bit. Steam sale three pounds. No, it's already I think about that price. It, it's really cheap. So, if I mean, from my perspective, I'm really I, I'm really into language, so I like it a lot. But if you're into that at all, it's it's like five dollars, and I don't know, so like three million pounds. But you know. Though, yeah. Like, by next week, that's yeah. where the exchange rate will be. Because... <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> Who knows you never what's know. Happen. You never know. So far in the story, I've only got a wee bit in, but like, you talk to this computer, and um, the first thing it starts mentioning to you, you ask, "Where are all the people?" Or, and you have to obviously, there's a lot of weird stuff there. You have to like figure out how to actually say that, which is like. So the aim, is, the aim of the game is to try and find out what's happened now that you've woken up from stasis. Yeah, you, you've gone from your own planet, your home, presumably Earth or something like Earth, and you've gone on a spaceship, and you've gone to this deserted planet, and you just have to ask this computer, find out what's going on, learn the language. It's, it is a bit weird, but yeah, so far in the game, I've only figured fiddled about with it for about an hour. But the computer keeps going on about how all the people on the planet underwent the Great Ascension. So either that's a complete apocalyptic extinction event, or, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, human instrumentality project, something that like that. really interesting. Like, yeah, it, it's such a such a weird concept. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, short games now. Like, I, I struggle to, like, play games for, like, several like hundred hours at a time anymore so i quite like a game that's just sort of contained within like like a seven hour period it's like a good length maybe shorter sometimes like like um i don't remember what it was now I played um oh my brain is not working <laughs> oh titan souls I played titan souls that was like two and a half hours it was lovely i thoroughly enjoyed that and like i'm, I'm a big advocate of like games that are just like quite respectful of your time <laughs> they don't drag themselves on to be too long yeah. they've got a nice contained story you can join them for a period you're done with them it's just it's very nice yeah something with like with an interesting concept low price yeah. and not too long yeah. doesn't wear it's welcome like awesome um, I've been trying to draft an article actually on like 
video games and their length and also kind of how gamers perceive mm. time in that like there seems to be this like i mean it's not new but a kind of gradual move i guess in triple a games towards really long games yeah yeah like like your your ubisons with two oh, million oh, collectibles yeah. and everything that just last forever yeah like that's the thing like time has it's, it's kind of it's, it's slowly become like a kind of like a marketing phrase like you know games will be yeah. sold on you know with phrases like 200 hours of content and it's sort of and it's a meaningless phrase because it could be 200 hours of collecting feather. every single yeah. feather in an Assassin's Creed game. Fucking feathers. I, I'd read an article recently with someone getting really upset about the word content, but I can't remember where it was actually, just because it, it signifies almost nothing. Like, it doesn't signify a meaningful no. experience yeah, or a good experience. People, uh, sort of parodying hashtag content on Twitter. The BitSocket boys do it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. It makes me laugh. I get yeah, content I guess is the it's kinda of like the soylent almost. Yeah. It's just it is. It's <laughs> like it's there. It's it's not necessarily yeah, just... good, but it's there. <laughs> I mean Yeah, it is something that interests me because, I mean, when you buy a triple A game, you are dropping a lot of money and so you do expect like a, a good amount of time out of it. But... Well that's the thing, like people expect yeah, it's this it's that it's that kind of equation between more time yeah, equals better it's value. It's always been like a weird thing though. Yeah. Like, £50, when you think about it, if you think about... If even if a game is about five hours long, that's not a bad investment, isn't £50? That's like, that's £10 an hour spent on something that you've thoroughly enjoyed. I'm alright with that. You pay that much. You pay, like... Yeah, but what, then... Cinema tickets are, like, £12 at least nowadays. Go see a film that you may or may not like no. for, like, two hours... I think that's an interesting comparison. Something I think is interesting is like, you you buy like a film ticket and you know you're going in there about two hours, but with a game it's a bit different, just because it has a varying length and like I mean films vary in quality like hugely, but like I mean obviously if you have like a five hour game that's just like amazing, you're probably gonna like it anyway. But there's like a quality time trade off like. I mean, it depends, obviously, how much disposable income you have. Because, like, I don't know, I work... I mean, I'm a student. I work part-time at an ASDA. Like, 50 quid is, like, a yeah. shift's wages for me. So, like, in terms of spending that on... That's true. On five hours. Like, I'd easily spend in my pants <laughs> on Twitter. There you go. You don't need games, Gab. You... I thought you meant you, you could easily spend that 50 pounds on pants and, and Twitter. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got to pick ton, Tons of pants. And I'll sponsor all my tweets so more porn bots can see them. Um, to be fair though, I don't think I've ever bought... I've Not ever, but I haven't bought a game new at release in like five years or something. Because they're always like oh, 15, well. £20 cheaper like a month later. And I'm not rushing to play anything like that I like. I'm, I need to play this otherwise my life will end. I'm like, just wait till I can just get it for like half the price. Because game prices here at Gamertime UK so much now. the least enthusiastic game set. Oh, sorry. We're incredibly enthusiastic <laughs> about games. It's just that the games happened to come out six what? months ago. The, the thing is, like, <laughs> why would you? Yeah. Why would you bother if a game is it's the same game in a month? You've waited a year for it. You can wait another month. Um, but it's half the price. That's pre-order culture is weird. It just seems ludicrous. <laughs> Because there's such a dive now in games prices. It didn't used to be like 
a, a month old game would be like 10 15 pounds cheaper <laughs> just because there's so many coming out now that yeah that's just how it is but like why bother is, is this i can't think of a reason well i think part there's, of there's people, no reason yeah. to people will play to their detriment yeah in that they'll because they've bought it for you know you've dropped 50 pounds on a game you have you, you almost feel obligated to play it otherwise yeah, you've wasted that's your like money the sunk cost fallacy and you can, and like oh, you know like with you know refunds are in a weird place with digital downloads like you can mm. refund a game kind of you know if you've played less than 2 hours on steam but as no games seem to, some some games seem to get more and more indulgent with their with their introductions that you know you might not have even reached you know like taking an assassin's creed game slightly old but Assassin's Creed 3 like you didn't actually get to you know the main bit of the game where you can wander around the world until sort mm. of five hours in yeah like last last week I was bitching about Final Fantasy 13 and if I only had the first two hours of that game I'd refund it it looks nice though the, the like, first. it's like it, the first few hours of Final Fantasy though uh, 13 they're a bit like watching a film you just sort of chill out and don't have to do a lot Admittedly, if it was only two hours long and that yeah, was the I mean, entire like, game, it would be a bit disappointing. But yeah, I mean, if, if I only had two hours to decide whether or not I want my fifty quid back, like, I mean, and, and you've you've talked you you yeah you were saying earlier about games being respectful of your time. I don't I don't think two hours of guff is respectful of my true. time. It's true. So anyway, George, you you brought you said you're writing an article. You brought this up. What side of the fence do you fall on, or are you some kind of neutral arbitrator? I don't know. That's the thing. Like it's it's been re- like I've been co- like I've been drawing weird spidergrams of like time to different things, and what does it all mean? Like kind of feverishly <laughs> drafting it all away. So I don't know, like I think I'm probably further from the answer. I've just got more questions. You have a graph. Like I started. Like, I, was, I was like, yeah. I was like, do we do we play too much? Like you go into like you know like I look I look at my sieve and I've played. You know, like 200 hours which is comparatively mm. small you know I've played and you sink hundreds of hours into these games like I've got friends that have a thousand mm. hours on Civ and it's weird because in video game culture that's I mean a thousand hours is at the higher end but it's like a regular amount of time yeah it's... and I was and it made me think like if anything else like if you were like oh yeah I went fishing for a thousand hours like you know, unless you're, you know, on a North Sea trawl, that's, it's quite that's you know that's a, that's a big length of time for mm. to devote to a hobby. And I know, yeah. ob- you know obviously, you know, you don't play for a hundred hours straight. It's that's part of you know what makes it so digestible is the fact that games can be played in conveniently mm. manageable chunks. I think but... that's also partly though because Steam records how many hours you spend doing it. I think if somebody recorded how many hours they went fishing, and they went fishing every weekend, every Saturday for six hours, they'd quickly find that they did a hell of a lot of time fishing. Actually, yeah, I think fishing was probably the worst example. Well, no, even anything, right? That like that's a hobby that people just sink time into because it, you know, well, if, you'll go fishing for a weekend of, and spend eight yeah. hours a day fishing, and over a lifetime, it adds but up. No, no, but, but anything though, like um, people who have a hobby <laughs> where they like to watch football. They watched however many football matches a week. If they recorded that time and added it up, I reckon it wouldn't be far from people who are huge fans of certain games. I don't think 
I think because a lot of game stuff records how many how much time you spend, because I think games quite like numbers and statistics to kind of look back on and go, oh, that's cool. That's how much time was done doing that or X, Y, and Z. I think if you recorded people who have hobbies like in a similar way, I don't think that the that the difference in time would be that great. I think people like to think that Actually, yeah, like, I guess that's, 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 gamers that's, that's spend all their time forever and ever so much time how do they have it all and you're like well if you think about it what do you do in your day go home maybe you watch an hour of tv or a couple of hours of tv or maybe you watch football every week or maybe you go dancing or something add up that time i don't think that that's going to be hugely different in the amount of time i spend playing civilization it's just how you've chosen to spend it and the fact that many games things record the amount of time you spend doing it I feel like, yeah. Sorry, Gaffy, you go go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was gonna say. I think like, I'm pretty bad for it because I know when I was when I was younger, I I loved it. Like, game things recording my time. I just I just couldn't get enough. I liked to know how much time I'd spent on it. But I feel like it has created like a. Everyone wants to know how much time they spent on something. It's, like, even if, if they didn't know how much time they'd spent on it, and they thought this was a really good complete artistic experience, and it had a good runtime. And then they looked at their Steam library and they're like, oh wow, that was only five hours long? Like, yeah. wow, I want a refund. Like, Out of interest, what's your guy? If you, can you guys see your, what your, what's your thing that you've sunk the most probably time into? Probably. Either... I, I can't, I can I'm, see it on Steam, but it won't I'm be. I'm having a quick look now. It won't be a Steam game. It'll be World of Warcraft I've spent the most time on. Well, like, just what, yeah. what does but Steam the moment tell Steam you? Steam tells you Rift, because I played Rift quite a lot in university. First and part of second year. I played it quite a lot. <clears throat> I feel like you guys have set me up to look like a complete fucking poser because I don't even have oh, one game over a thousand hours. Oh, I, my, I don't. My highest but, is. Uh, oh, we're all posers. I've got, I've got, a, I've got 185 thousand on on Civ, which, judging by everyone that talks about Civ, is yeah. a tiny amount of time. Uh, is that your highest? That, no, that's my third highest. My um, highest is. War Thunder is actually my highest. Was. Three hundred and sixty-two oh, hours. <laughs> my highest is three sixty with Rift, which I haven't played for like five years. My my highest is seven hundred and three on World of War. Oh no, I'm Team yeah, Fortress Two actually. Team Fortress Two. And I honestly think that World of Warcraft would dwarf that, like at least double. To be fair, at least there are. I'm yeah. I'm really surprised that that was actually my top game. Like I don't. I didn't even there, think I yeah. played it that much. And looking down the list, there are games that I love far more like Warhammer is just like a I guess it's just maybe it's just because it's something that yeah, I can just easily drop into but there are games that I love far more and I'm like oh I've only played yeah. that amount of time yeah. but like 99 hours in Fallout 4 it's weird to be thinking oh it's only 99 hours I mean I could have I could have yeah. watched all of Game of Thrones and then you know had about what 20 yeah. hours spare <laughs> You, you run into like a big problem when like because obviously there's the whole thing games as service and games as artistic product because like i spent 703 hours on team fortress 2 but like to me i i liked that time i enjoyed that time but it's not equivalent to like like the like what two three hours i spent completing a game like to the moon which is really short yeah, but really memorable be- yeah, I, yeah, because what I, I, 
it's worth bearing in mind as well that my Steam library has 223 games in it. So, like, even though one yeah. of them's high, it's spread across, like, another 200 that's had maybe between 16 and 30 minutes put into it. Then you get some weird games, which are, like, like maybe War Thunder, stuff like that, like, multiplayer games, and they're not so much a game as they are, like, almost like a, like a weird like lifestyle thing like especially yeah, a game like World of Warcraft because they they I used to play a game in uh, secondary school and um, college A-levels uh, Ragnarok Online I very rarely used to actually play the game elements of that I used to go and hang out with people and just chat <laughs> it didn't I, once you get like to be relatively good at it I didn't really play it for the game anymore I played it just to sort of hang out with some friends so it becomes an entirely different experience. Yeah, your friends or your guild yeah. or whatever on there. Which is true of a lot of those online games and stuff. Like, I would never play Dota by myself anymore. Yeah. I'd only ever play it with my friends. Well, I, think, I think with a game like Dota, like, I've heard... I found it weird, like... I've heard... I've talked to a friend, and he said... Like, he didn't enjoy Dota until 200 hours in. Yeah, there's a very steep learning curve. And, like... <laughs> I just find that really weird because it's like I mean that's a huge time investment and I often think not do we play games too much but should we just be more should we value our time yeah. more like not should you shouldn't be doing something else but you know if a game if you're 100 hours into a game and you're still going it's alright but I'm not yeah. really enjoying it like should we just go stop playing that game play something Absolutely. that you'll enjoy yeah, if I spent 200 hours wanking with sandpaper, I'd probably come to like it. <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Great experiment. Dota 2 yeah. versus sandpaper. <laughs> Tw- yeah, twitch it. Twitch stream the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't twitch it. Set, set it up on like a, a pay-per-view stream and I'm sure people that would pay to, pay to watch. <laughs> Darkest I was going to say something that was head. like relevant, but <laughs> Gab derailed it with that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I recently finished, well. recently being like a month or two ago, um, finished uh, Tales of oh, the recent one. Begin- is it Zestiria? No, I can't remember. Whatever, the that most recent that one that's right. out on like new gen consoles. Um, and after the first about 10 hours, I was like, witch. I don't like this game. The characters are all annoying. I don't find the combat that fun, and I don't like the leveling up system. And yet, for some reason, I still finished it. Because I hadn't really have anything else that I wanted to play at the moment, and I was like, maybe it'll be good at the end? Maybe? So which uh, Tales of... I think it's... I think it's Zestiria, but I might be wrong. Yeah, Zestiria's yeah. right, I think. Part of the the long running Tales yeah. of dot 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 series, Generally, including I quite like Tales games, and I just didn't like this one at okay. all. It just um, yeah, usually they have like a like a sort of very melodramatic story, like a like a like JRPGs generally do, but the combat's kind of like this real time system, which is usually quite enjoyable, and you get like a roster of about eight people that you can switch between, which is usually quite fun. And I knew I didn't like it. I'd, I'd been complaining about the fact that I didn't like it and that I was resenting completing it. I still did. Still still spent, what, 
40 hours of my life. <laughs> At least 30 of those going, this is fucking shit. What am I doing? <laughs> I guess. That sounds weird when you consider it. But like like George said, with other hobbies, like, or with, I, I can't remember. There was a lot of talk about hobbies, so I can't remember who was actually bringing up the point. But yeah, if, if you were like a football fan, and let's just say your team's having yeah. a garbage season, you'll still spend like every Saturday like two hours watching them play football and probably god knows how much else watching other shit teams you don't yeah, even care about play point. football it's a good point i don't know i think i think i think that's slightly different in that like i mean i i actually i, I don't know i was going to try and pretend i knew what it was like to support a football team but i don't but i'm gonna say i think there's a more like emotional value loyalty thing whereas a game is just a product that you've purchased i guess i mean it, it's that that does make it different that it's a product, but I don't know. I mean, if you're into like, maybe TV would be a better a better example. Like, if you're like a, a proper quotation marks television fan who watches a lot of TV series, and like that's their that's like their hobby. They go on the internet, they do that. Like they have their twitters about that. You know, you know what I mean. That's like they've got that's like the identity that they've invested in. They will spend a lot of time watching a TV series that's you know, yeah. capitalist shit that they don't really care about just so they can either have a whinge about yeah, it or yeah. say they've completed it. I the similar thing's true okay. for... I mean, I watch a lot of TV, but I'm very picky about it. Like, I drop stuff. I, like, often not intentionally. Like, I, cause I, I watch loads of stuff, and often it's... I simply just don't go back to it, because I'll be like, it doesn't mm. hold my attention. And I, I, I do think that yeah. had I been playing Tales in like February I would have played the first 10 hours and gone no, I'm not having this I'm not going to go back to it I think it was partly because of when it was released but also part of me was like these games are generally good There's general, I generally enjoy them there must be a point in this game where it's going to become like other games it had similar a similar team were making it, similar people so you, you kind of rely on them and sort of think like they know what they're doing they can pull this out like might have a rocky like like 10 hours which sounds like a long time to go sort of give someone the benefit of the doubt but then you st- i still did and i was just like at the end i was just like ah what have you done <laughs> this is rubbish <laughs> i think that it's i think you do still kind of have that emotional connection in games because you have because it's not the same as like a product like a chair or a table. Like it's not the same thing. Yeah. I don't know. I think part of it is I think people should be less emotional about games. Because I was, I was reading an article and it was talking about it was talking about Bethesda's review policy and they were saying uh, about not giving out review copies and they were saying this is a terrible thing uh, and it's a bad sign for the industry. But Bethesda is a beloved game publisher and so people are kind of happy to ignore it because yeah. some of their favorite game you know Bethesda's games yeah. are hugely successful and i think often we need to be and i think they had a great point in that we should perhaps be less emotional about games specifically the companies because we see lots of marketing videos of them being lovely people and i'm sure they are but they are you know, they're a company trying to sell a product. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think we can be fo- we, like emotion, like we can almost be emotionally blinded because 
we you like you know oh no they're you know those are the good guys yeah well, no, they're, I, I th they're they're neutral when you spend a lot of time with a game and like like if if you've played a game that they've made I think it's a pretty unique thing with games that I mean people buy into like film and TV and stuff but with a game you have an experience and maybe you spend like like 50 hours with the last game and then there's like a combination of being like I really like the last one and I got my money's worth out of it and I like the developer and I like their ideas and then if you carry that forward yeah sometimes I end up making bad decisions yeah yeah it's like you you've invested so much time and you've like you have all the fond memories that you're willing to ignore missteps yeah yeah I think it pulls back to that well, sort of you mentioned before about like the difference between games being art and not art because like it's like um, in like the music industry for example if someone has like a couple of bad tracks in an album but like some really good ones you're gonna not you're gonna remember the the good parts of it rather than the bad aspects and their sort of overall image in general I think that's why it's hard with game yeah. developers is because you know the developers like the uh, the company's name a lot more than you know individual developers like some you'll get some big ones like Tim Schafer and stuff that like of like memorable people but generally they're kind of hidden you don't really know who they are you see the names appear maybe once at the end of a game that you're probably not paying attention to at the end of it at the credits and just yeah. because it's the same company doesn't mean it's the same people doing it yeah that's very true like I mean sometimes companies get like totally gutted and just publish stuff under the same name but with like yeah. a totally different yeah. team so it's a, it's a hard one to I can't even remember what the point of this conversation was now I can't remember how we got to this point but yeah uh, it's a hard one to uh, I think it's just to sort like, of yeah. say I think people should be less emotionally attached. Ah, to yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a hard one to say. Or not like, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'd agree, but I'm super guilty mm. of it myself. Oh, yeah, I think definitely. we all are. Definitely. Like, I'll eat up any old shit that yeah, Hideo like Kojima makes. Even if it's awful, I'll like it. <laughs> I'm just a bad <laughs> person like that. But I think everyone is to a certain degree, because uh, games, are, games are weird. Like, I mean, I don't know if we want to just keep going on this because the time is somewhat limited but games are weird compared to just about everything else I mean even in if you consider the our games art argument the thing is everything else you don't have to ask that of anything like even if it's a shit album even if it's fucking um oh, what's a what's a really bad musician like even if Nickelback oh, yeah if Nickelback make an album and it's even by Nickelback <laughs> standards it's awful like you don't ask oh is, is this album art it's yeah. like yeah it's, it's music but I feel like the reason games are often considered not to be even aside from all the other issues is just they're made by so many people there's, there's like such a dilution of the kind of auteur element that we put into everything else into music, yeah. into film into, yeah, into books I, I totally agree, I think a lot of games lack that sort of uh, director having a real vision of something at the end so quite often you'll get like 200 people all making something and then it all being put together eventually. Um, yeah, but it's just the bit, nature of the medium, really. Like you can't. At the same time, um, I finished Uncharted Four recently, and I felt that that was like a stellar example of something that had direction the entire way through, and you could tell that 
it had one person or a couple of people really thinking about how everything was going to be shot and really overseeing it closely and ensuring that it wasn't going to be this sort of like massive ball of things of everybody's different work being trying to squish together without any cohesion yeah there's a really weird like interaction in games that i don't think is present in either medium between artistry and kind of like d- diffused artistry with all these different people and like our own experience and like the money we put into it and the the personal investment like it, it's such a it's such a weird medium yeah, no, it is i think it's the fact that there isn't like it's this weird sort of it's it is so almost mainstream yet there is still so much the idea of the gaming subculture like yeah like i think in the, the weird connection between game developers and the players feels a lot closer than say people that you know go to watch you know go to watch a film and the not the film company but you know the director that makes it like you don't they still they still they feel very separate whereas we kind of like to imagine that we're in we're in this sort of far smaller community where you know like it's 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 us and the developers they're giving us stuff whereas we don't do that with film or or television like sometimes you know they'll be like oh you know the fans want this and i think it's similar to music in that respect where it's you feel very close you you almost have that sort of closeness with the band because there are a small group of people that you can kind of you know you have that you know you have that sort of faux uh kind of personal knowledge of yeah there's that, like it's that weird closeness that you don't really see yeah. anywhere else I, between yeah the consumer yeah and i think the you said companies. before about that like um that sort of relationship and it's almost yeah, an illusion because I, think. I think companies have this uh especially games companies you don't see it in a lot of other media of like backlash sort of of, of something happening that fans in inverted commas have decided they don't like for one reason or another like for example uh when dmc was being developed the amount of bullshit that came out of that was just astonishing and that game is fucking amazing dmc it's by far the best devil may cry game whoa hands down whoa. It has the most enjoyable combat system it is it looks whoa. amazing it actually has a story that you can sort of follow and has like commentary on real life fucking people who go on about oh. Devil May Cry 3 sometimes I love that game it is brilliant but you get eaten by a fucking whale flying through the air and you climb a mount you climb a tower for some reason that's there you you fight random shit for no apparent reason and like that game is madness it's absolute madness and like there's never going to be a DMC 2 that is so disappointing because that game was really good. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like and people it... who whinge on about DMC Four can just just be quiet because that game was just the same game played backwards in the second half with a different person. That is not how a game should be. <laughs> I feel like games have this weird thing of also growing up in an environment where, like, obviously they've grown up alongside things like the internet and stuff like that, so we don't feel as 
I mean, we've had this weird, we've kind of gone back and forward between like, oh, do we feel connected to developers or don't we? But we definitely do. And that's because we, we hear a lot from them, especially in the Twitter age, the YouTube age, the Facebook age. We see a lot from yeah. from them. And so we think like we're connected to them. We know how to talk to them and that we'll get a response. And so I feel like maybe also because like there's so many aspects to this. It, it's so fucking impossible to approach. But partially because of, money we put in and the closeness we feel to developers like we feel as fans in inverted commas that we have a degree of artistic control rather than the developers if they make a decision we disagree with then they're accountable to us yeah 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 that's really like i think you like if we like like if fans of star wars you know that is immensely popular but you know, the fans are like, we, you know, well, isn't quite that same ownership. Well, like, well, like, I mean, people like to think, well, like, people like to think, like, we do, but it's not quite the same in that, like, fan, you know, fans love to, uh, we don't quite have the connection. Like, we we talk about it loads and hope that, you know, J.J. Abrams will, you know, will back, back when Force Awakens was being made, would respond. But it's not quite on the same level. Like, I've, um, like the Total War series, the the most recent entry, Total Warhammer. Uh, like their marketing team um, were did, did like a really impressive job, and were, and like they always crop up mm. on the on the subreddit. And that was a game that had a massive backlash against it initially due to blood for the blood about, god DLC uh, pre-order bonuses. Yeah, yeah, uh, and well, it continues to, but their you know like their marketing guys actually show up all the time in uh you know in the in the forums and uh on the subreddit and literally just engage with yeah yeah with the, the fans War series to, and try and kind of smooth it out like you wouldn't have like after the first star was the force awakens with was released you know people had strong feelings about it but you know jj abrams didn't show up in in forums to or sorry, or even you know, even the marketing team for for Disney didn't show up in the forums to be like, "Hey guys, you know, this yeah. is what we think, and here's what we want to do for you." And I guess it's, it's different because you know, Disney are huge, and I mean, Creative Assembly are you know a, a decent sized games company, but not quite on the same scale. But there's still a very sort of direct conversation, and I was almost really impressed with how these guys uh, who are pretty awesome at their job like took. The, I mean, the subreddit was spitting blood at the fact that uh, a big, ch- like what they perceived as a big chunk of the game, had been supposedly cut out in order for as. For, for, well, it wasn't spitting blood. It was just uh, spitting Went spit from... until it paid three pound for a blood DLC. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this was this was separate. So this was the the chaos faction, who were like the post boys. Enjoyed <laughs> um... that. Yeah, like you know, they were they were angry about it, but yeah, you know, turned around to becoming yeah. the biggest supporters and kind of have almost literally had in joke. I mean, still do have in jokes with community management with there. the guys on the marketing team. I feel like stuff like this is weird because to, to again just kind of generalize it really, really a lot because this is this is a big subject, and I feel like we could go on for hours about it. But like with a game, you have such like a there's no I mean, obviously with films and music and stuff, there's like ultra fans who take it really seriously. But on average, I think the experience is of a a created artistic product. Uh, 
that you're experiencing from a person it's kind of isolated from you maybe it's different like with books and stuff sometimes you have a very personal experience but with the way games work the way they kind of operate with the player is kind of you know you experience it you play it you're in control of it and so your experience of it's really personal like and so if you really like a game you end up forming like a really weird strong emotional bond to it like i I mean like you said with star wars i mean when the the prequels came out people were like real big fans were raging about it because they, they were kind of shit so you know they had a very close connection but ultimately in the end it's not like i don't know i, I feel like it, there's a kind of different connection between a film fan and a yeah. film which they can recognize to be shit and a game which yeah was... mm. Sorry, do you think it's because this kind of games as a service because we can because as things become more digital and updates can be rolled out faster like we almost see we almost all perceive to see the results of our efforts online so we go this is broken or this needs to be changed and then you know the following week yeah. the update is rolled out and it's fixed rather than there or, being like a yeah, bad part of a game and we look at it and we're like oh it's just a bad part of the game i guess the game's worse now it's like there's a bad part of the game why isn't it different why why can't they change yeah, it yeah yeah there's um a certain amount of like entitlement i feel amongst like certain groups of like like there was never a point if people who disliked the, the Star Wars Episode One, that, that they were going to change the subsequent films because of these people's views, they were never going to do that. However, that happens in the games industry where people go, "Oh, maybe we should change that or something." Maybe they, like, because I think that fans have a lot more power than than you sort of expect them to have for something like it's like, "What the fuck do they know? They're not games developers." <laughs> What are they talking about? You wouldn't go to a surgeon and go, I don't think you're doing that right, mate. They should take out the spleen instead. What are you doing? I feel like to, it's a bit It's a bit of a good thing, but a bit of a bad thing. I think it can be both, yeah. yeah. But I think it's you You see it often with people who have like visceral reactions. And like, there's, there's all, it's often just extremes. You have like people who vehemently hate it or people who are totally obsessed with it there's very you very rarely hear of or see people who are kind of that sort of middle ground because they're just not they don't care they're not gonna like talk about it or like speak out you're just not gonna hear from them as often as you are gonna hear from like people who are passionately angry or passionately in love with it or something so it's a weird middle ground that you don't hear from i think on the thing of entitlement i was thinking like how we often perceive that something's been taken away from us where we say oh this you know this was cut out uh to be reserved for pre-order bonus or this dlc yeah. should have been in the game and i think you know i think there is an argument like you know there is an argument about kind of what is bad bad practice when it comes to that sense but you would never transfer that like over to maybe like another medium or like if you talked to someone about who doesn't, you know, doesn't isn't interested in video games. If you if you talk to them about it and say, like, I think they would just not understand. Like, they would yeah. find it so alien. Like, if you were like, oh, it's so annoying. They, you know, they've put, you know, they this DLC is bad. Or I, like, people would just be like, oh, we'll just don't yeah. buy it. Then. Yeah. And I think that emotional connection with, with the subject matter, like, 
kind of clouds our view. Like, so many people would just be like, oh, you know, people hate skins in video games. They hate that you'll charge for keys in CSGO. I mean, if you talk to someone about it, they'd just be like, I, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Part of it's just that there's Pretty such a like culture it. of pre-ordering in video games that there isn't anywhere else. Like, a lot of the time it's like, ooh, this game's interesting to me. So it's like a year in advance you've decided I'm buying it. Rather than being like, I'll wait till it's out, see if it's good. Yeah, I think it's because like you see more like uh, like betas and like coverage of like full bits of it. Like in a film, you'll see like maybe three trailers that are about in total length, maybe five minutes if you're lucky, mm. of like bits chopped together and often bits that you see again. Whereas in like for a game, you can see someone play like a like a full level demo of like an hour and a half. Which is like which could convert to being like a tenth of the entire thing, and like one single thing or something. There's that difference in like um, in builder format yeah. of how they how they they're produced. Uh, speaking of playing a game demo, uh, that's the one thing I've been playing this week. Uh, was a very early access uh, build of a game that's currently on Kickstarter, or potentially just came out of Kickstarter. Depending on when this is really when this release this releases, but uh, it's a game called Lost Ember. Yeah. And it's basically sort of marketed as uh, this big sort of story game, um, where you basically you're meant to you explore a world uh, and kind of discover the story of what's happened. A bit like um, Sethian. Do you? Yeah gab that you were saying where you kind of wake up and you have to discover the mystery through these kind of this kind of unique method of storytelling i've seen the picture do you play as a fox uh, or a wolf yeah you play it so the, the tagline is nature claimed back the post-apocalyptic realm of a fallen right. civilization play a wolf and possess other animals to uncover cool. your destiny um and it's and yeah it's this it's a weird game like it's a weird game in that there's very little to actually do so I, I mean well at least in the the preview anyway so the preview i got was about 10 minutes and it was kind of the, the very intro of the game like it you basically just takes you to the mm. the title splash um but yeah the idea is you're you wake up and you're a wolf and you have a, a spirit guide and you go on this story driven exploration adventure to discover what happened is your spirit um, guide a human? No, it's this sort of ball of oh, right, light yeah. that just sort of talks to you and kind of floats nearby. Just wondered because like people have spirit animals and, and the opposite was true. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, no. So you, you play as a wolf and you uh, basically just walk around and then uh, yeah, it seems like basically the game is sort of promising this big mm. sort of story. And that seem and the the story seems to be what the point of the game is. Like the the gameplay in the in the preview was very minimal. It was basically walking from point mm. A to point B, first as a wolf, and, uh, and then you get to possess a a sort of turtle, pangolin, mole thing. It was a bit like a mole, but it had nice. a hard shell. Uh, and then and then you get to be the wolf again, and then you possess oh, I a love bird. Penguins. They're like the best. Um, and then, but you don't really do. You, I mean, the preview you don't really do very much of them. You basically are, they are just a tool to get you through yeah. the world. 
and it's a very nice looking game it's not incredible and the the preview is a bit glitchy um but that's the thing it the reading through the kickstarter it talks it's there's a lot of you know it talks of the mystery and this kind of unique storytelling so i was expecting at least to be teased with this kind of yeah. grand story uh and to kind of find this unique way of storytelling that it sounded like you you discovered in in Sethian, but there was really nothing and it didn't there was no kind of hook in the preview it it's you know basically you kind of wake up and it says you're the last of this mysterious civilization well, actually i got i'm not even it was it it was very unclear as to who you mm. actually were basically you wake up and you follow the spirit guide and he says there's an ancient civilization it's gone um uh and it's this kind of game that wants i feel like it wants you to kind of be awed at these big moments where you 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 know you walk out of the undergrowth as the wolf and suddenly you kind of see this great kind of natural landscape um and but and there were like i think there were two or three moments like that where it kind of wants you to go as you kind of look around but it never really quite mm. pulled it off other than one moment which basically which is the end of the preview and you get to you get to be a bird you possess this bird and you fly into this very sort of wooded uh canyon that's almost sort of reminiscent of the sort of the trees in the sort of tree forest in avatar yeah. and you fly through and then suddenly these giant these flocks of tropical birds fly out with you and you're kind of surrounded by color and it's all very pretty um and then yeah it splashes a title but the actual, I mean, that was the thing. The, the story just nothing yeah, was. There was nothing there to grab you. I think that's an interesting thing. It so basically said there, you know, there was a civilization mm. here, but I, I don't know. I was expecting some perhaps innovative way of discovering, yeah. you know, the story and you, you know, wandering around the world. There wasn't mm. really anything, and the story was just told through either exposition from little spirit thing floating next to you um, yeah. or cutscenes and so and so perhaps you'll you know there'll be actually there'll be you know more discovery to be done in 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 the in the full game but the pre- their preview was basically a sort of nice walk but without yeah i feel like sense. a lot of games try and go for you know the sort of you know the mysterious dark souls kind of that's a bad way to describe it because it's really recent but you know what i mean like uh sort of shredded in mystery you have to f- piece it together but yeah i guess that's kind yeah, of yeah. shot for that and missed it maybe yeah i mean they basically you sort of walk through this natural world it's this natural landscape and eventually you get to a point and you can kind of see this not particularly exciting looking kind of old ruin but it's basically just kind of square pile of stones with sort of one or two like one or two broken mm-hmm. square pillars and you walk onto it and the spirit guide uh kind of gives you a sort of holographic view of what the oh, civilization cool. used to look like um, but it's it's not that it's basically he kind of provides a rope bridge that kind of you know was once there and then talks about very briefly about this kind of nice society that where the strong used to work in the mines and those who, you know, were elderly or sick, you know, got given easy jobs and everyone 
was happy and and you can kind of see see very other small bits of ruin off in the kind of distance in the and the skybox but it keeps them out of focus and so you can kind of see these uh this red glow because he kind of rebuilds this rope bridge that you eventually walk across in this kind of red sort of holographic style and so you can kind of see bits of it have been rebuilt but there's nothing that interesting mm. going on and so you're not like ooh what happened here it's just yeah place. I think that sorry wrong graphic oh okay it sounds really interesting because I, I, I love well, the concept sounds interesting I love the bits and games when you go about like ruins and stuff I've always really enjoyed those. Yeah, same. Oh. I feel like I've, I've, yeah. I've oversold the ruins because you you literally discuss, you literally get a it's a staircase up to a sort of <laughs> square platform. That's about it, and then you walk yeah, across a rope bridge. I think that's a really a interesting bird. thing, though, because games as a medium like they've just expanded really quickly. Like, if you think about like other mediums that suddenly have like hundreds of like releases that are, are that are easily accessible quickly there's you're not gonna have not everyone can be like a good director or like a really good writer because they especially if they've already have this skill of trying to be a really good coder having someone who is so multi-talented is gonna be quite rare or multi-skilled talented sounds like, like they're born with it but like to have these these multiple skills of being able to have great direction and great storytelling while also being able to create this world out of digital nonsense yeah do you see what i mean like it's a there's not many other mediums where like they're 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 they're, they're sort of related skills but they're quite different as well like you wouldn't have someone very often who have someone who is a drummer in a band but is also really good at filming the music videos that's not a usual I mean, I'm sure it does happen sometimes, but it's not a common occurrence. Mm. Whereas games as a medium sort of expect that from people that you'll be able to like come up with a great story, code it, have. Well, it's not. It's not. The oh story no, no, was I'm bad. not saying it is. It's just but there was very, there the was very little of it. Yeah, presented. But that, that's kind a, of my point of in like a, in a like a very yeah, standard like pacing way. and like trying to innovate. Like you're already trying to do so much just by making a game in the first place. It, as opposed to lots of other sounds things. Sounds to me like the game was trying to just like, like maybe, well, ho- I hope it sounds like it's just trying to tease you and the actual game will have a, more in it. Yeah. Like, it, 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 cause that's the thing, it, the, the whole preview lasted about... Oh, right, okay. So five, not very extensive. Minutes. So, it's a very, very little to go on. I, I, I don't know, I was kind of hoping for more, just basically just based on the Kickstarter page and kind of what they were kind of... Kind of trying to compare yeah. it to what yeah, it's kind done of quite well on Kickstarter, I think. So, yeah, it doubled its. I think it was its initial goal was a hundred thousand yeah. euros, uh, and when I last checked, it had reached two hundred and fifty. So it could uh, just be that. Um, I think it had four. It's well, it had three stretch yeah. goals. I mean, it's only the. Uh, so I think they set the yeah, hundred thousand increments. Yeah. and it's only the preview beta thing. So, goodness knows what the finished one could be like. It's like games can change radically at, at any point really can sort of go off and like develop in different ways I mean they've seem like they've got like a base but they could go anywhere with it sort of thing yeah I mean it's I, could, I can see it being a kind of relaxing yeah. game that 
you know, if if you if you kind of smooth everything out, then it's just a nice game where you get to be an animal and just kind of have a nice time. Cool. I just think that you know, just go outside and have a walk. <laughs> so you say that, but I quite like like walking simulator games. Like I quite like them as a genre. <laughs> I find them really relaxing. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I guess it's it. Yeah, you know, it, it's a. It, I can see it being a very mm. relaxing game, and perhaps, you know, that's what that's what the um, the funders want. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. I have to wait and see. It's, when it's someone, do you know, way. when they're expected to release it fully? Uh, I will. I'm not actually sure. I will jump. In on the meantime, the I'll express a brief opinion of mine that is like, when I, when I hear a game about exploring ruins and stuff. I don't know. Did you guys play Hyperlight Drifter? Because I liked that game a lot. No, I didn't. And basically, it had a lot of ruins in it. But basically, the idea was that basically awful, awful things had happened. And so I, the idea of a game like that being relaxing rather than horrific. Don't know if it's yeah. up my alley. When's it coming out then? <laughs> Bastards. Um, they haven't said, but it it will be funded um, as of November right. 14th. Keep an eye on it. Sounds interesting. And yeah, for for a pledge of twenty euros, you can get a digital copy of the game on your choice of platform. Yeah, that's good. As long as those choices are <laughs> PC, PS4, or Xbox One. If the developers are listening, please give us a review copy, even though we didn't like the preview. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the thing. Like the first time I played <laughs> it, I did fall asleep, but I was very tired, <laughs> and I think it was more to do with my tiredness than because it it has a very like pleasant soundtrack that's just kind of <laughs> relaxing. to sleep today. Anyway, um, let's... Uh, what should we do? We're going to do the um, the dungeon. Have we run out of time again? Does anybody have a thing they want to put in the dungeon? Well, actually, I'll explain what the dungeon is. You guys get your thinking okay. hats on. And, uh, yeah. So basically, the dungeon is going to be a thing we're going to try and do, maybe not every week, uh, frequently, I'll go with, as a, a very vague way of putting it. Uh, it's going to be where we're going to put something from gaming and games culture or to do with a game or maybe a specific game or something like that. And we're going to put it in a deep dark hole in the ground and bury it. And it's going to be dead forever. And it's going to be like it never existed. So these uh, two are going to just come up with something that they dislike and want to bin. Now. Do you have something, George? Did I give you a time? Um, no. Right. Good. I do. Give actually. me more time. I. You're a savior. My like, it's a very just tiny pet peeve. But when a game releases a physical copy of a game, put the game in the physical copy. If like I bought Fallout Four, I put it as a disc. <laughs> I put it into discover into the uh, the yeah. disk drive and then it was like congratulations you have unlocked Fallout 4 on Steam and then it proceeded to download <laughs> Fallout 4 it just seemed like a waste of a disc doesn't it you're like they could have just saved money on this and made the game cheaper <laughs> and it's I mean like uh, for a start I mean if you have bad internet connection and so are reliant on physical copies of a game for getting it installed in timely fashion then yeah. you know that sort of thing is incredibly it is, annoying yeah it is annoying because, like, whenever I um, rent a new game or something for the, my PS4, I always put it in the night before and then put it on reset mode so it can 
install whatever it wants to do so I can actually play it at a later date. It's like when I got uh, Bloodborne or The Witcher 3. It was like, right, got to install like 40 gig. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll play these tomorrow. <laughs> it's a bit like, um, yeah, why, why is it not all just on the disc? It's a bit frustrating. I get what you mean. Gav, have you got... I've uh... got something. Do you know... All right. I, like last week, I've been playing Persona 4 again. And I yes. think in any stage of game development, you should always think to yourself... How can I make the player go through the lowest possible number of stages to achieve something simple? When your game has just just irritating fluff that doesn't need to be there, that kind of just wastes your time, that gets on my nerves. Yeah. Like, do you know, you, have, you go around the town, you come out of school, and you know you see the map and stuff, but you can't. When you're in a, a like a, a place with subdivisions, you can press square and go in between the subdivisions of that area. But if you want to go anywhere else, you have to go there, into the map, into that area, square, into the next area. It's just tedious. (laughs) Tedious menus. I think Just Just Cause 2 had that problem where if you wanted to essentially use the shop, which was this kind of uh, arms dealer that was shop in a helicopter, you... He'd, you had to use a sort of flare signal and then you'd see a cut cutscene of him showing up and then you could only buy items one at a time yeah. and so that would involve buying an item, cutscene of the item <laughs> appearing another signal calling him in, cutscene of him appearing buying the second thing <laughs> that sounds cutscene and it was infuriating yeah th- there's no need for it to be there except to waste your time yeah that sounds frustrating Ooh, it's a tough choice. Uh, I'm have to pick one of them to be buried forever and dead. Honestly, though, I think I'm gonna go with George and the whole like not having something on the disc. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, games will remain annoying forever, but your choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel powerful now. I think partly oh, that's like because like think about it. If they didn't have the disc. They just sent you a code. How much could that save them off like our price we pay on the game? Like two p. <laughs> Yeah, but 2p per million that they distribute. Yeah, that's true. It's like, like, it's it's especially weird when sometimes physical copies cost less than the digital yeah. download does, yet that, you are getting... Oh, yeah. It's like, more. why is that a thing? Like, on the PlayStation Store, you're like, why, why are you 50 quid? What are you doing, Sony? Who buys these? <laughs> Paying for the inconvenience of having to wait for a delivery, basically. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> on that sort that's of... That's an hour 20. It is an hour 20, but I think we've got some to chop off at the end, so... Um, right. Beginning, rather. Uh, <laughs> right, that's it from us today. We've sort of rambled a little bit and gone off what we were originally talking about, but hopefully it's been fun. Um, I think we've solved all of gaming's problems. We've discovered that sometimes games are bad, sometimes they're good. Yeah. Sometimes things about games are bad, and then sometimes they're good as well. Exactly. And I hope that was helpful to you. <laughs> Uh, yeah thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time um you can goodbye if you've goodbye (laughs) if you've stumbled across this podcast without the website attached you can find us at gamertime.co.uk or you can follow us on twitter at gamertime.co.uk no i did that again damn it you can find us on twitter (laughs) at gamertime uk 
that's going to happen every week now. <laughs> um, you can follow me personally at Nevada HM and you guys at. You can follow me at Gavin underscore GTUK. Uh, at underscore Scruffy Lucky. Super. Right. Thank you, everyone. Bye.